0: Yeah. Welcome to the Basketball Coaches Roundtable Podcast, BCR. I'm your free agent coach, Ben Newman. We are joined with Sean Cloris, head coach, CCNY. We have Steve Shulman, head coach, Lehman College. We have L. Green, head coach of BCAM High School. And Dakota Stabile, just an all-around good guy. (laughs) So, guys... We're we're gonna start out. I want I want to focus on zone defense, and um, one of the reasons I want to focus on zone defense is uh, I started playing more of it the last couple of years, and um, I don't know uh, what 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 I can tweak or what what should I tweak, and you know how much I should be doing it. You know, I used to be uh, kind of like a full man-to-man defensive guy, and then as more of the uh, of the players started getting a you know kind of terrible at their you know keeping the ball in front of them and opening up those driving lanes i I, you know kind of transitioned to the zone defense so i want to know you know what first of all what what zone defenses do you play you know I, i um i i know all of us are playing them at some point so what what zone defenses are you playing? And uh, what's the purpose for that zone defense? Um, Sean, you want to start?
1: Sure. So I I mean, this year, we were a bit limited uh, roster wise and and talent wise, so we had to make some adjustments. So we started playing more of a 2-2-1 press um, instead of the matchup man that we kind of want to play just because I knew I'd have some of those guys for one year. Um there there was a, a limited level of instinct that was gonna be able to be developed. Um, so we tried to simplify it by going with the two, two, one. So we had two different versions of it. We had a black and a white. The black was was much more aggressive. So we we're trying to get turns, speed guys up, um, but just even giving the stability of you're guarding a certain area, and we took away really the trapping in it, so they weren't deciding if they were trapping or they were stunting. It was a lot of stunting and just a lot of ball pressure. Um, That certainly helped. And then, you know, we had our kind of slow down, contain, you know, 2-2-1 into, you know, either 3-2, 2-3, or or into man. So we were really small and and we had to, as Steve could tell you, and uh, we, you know, we, we had to mix things up a bit. And then we ran some baseline out of bounds. Uh, zone defense, which did not go very well, but we're looking this year a lot more. Um, I like the idea of playing much more zone defense in situational um, spots. So middle of the year, what worked really well for us was was switching up defenses after every timeout, um, you know looking at late game situations, you know down to up to whatever the case is, five seconds left, 10 seconds left. You know a lot of people are drawing up a man play. Um, running a little 1-3 run, running a 3-2, something along those lines, um, just to throw it off because most teams are practicing late-game situations, but they're not practicing for the situation against a particular type of zone. So that's why we kind of ran it a bit this year, and, and that's why I've been playing around with this offseason about potentially doing uh, this coming year.
0: Awesome. Yeah, you you brought up a point about switching um, in like late-game situations you know to like uh to a zone. I you know Dakota sat on the bench with me I think you know he can he can tell you it's like I think it's one of those things that I'm very apprehensive about doing you know you're playing one you're playing zone all game or you're playing man most of the game and then late game situation you know I feel like I want to do it but do I trust the kids enough to do it and so it's interesting that you you brought that up um hey L, what um what uh, what are the zones that you're playing? What's your what's your purpose for them? Um,
2: I like to play a one-two-two two and a one-three-one. One-three-one. I like to play it um, as being a prolific scorer in high school. I remember um, each time that I got knocked off my junior my uh, junior, senior. Um, a man in a one-three-one kind of bogged me down. And if you have, like I say, like in Brooklyn, especially with the guards, they want to get to the middle. And I feel like with the one three one, with you having that center right there in the middle and those two wing players, whether it's your athletic wings or your quick wings, it helps out a lot. Um, so I went to that maybe about five or six years ago, I want to say that one three one. Um I really ran a one 2 because, two, like you guys said, there's a lot of trapping, especially on that first pass or the court by the traffic um and we we were big for a point but we're really small generally and that 131 helps the rebound then um i do it a little differently i put um my power for it at the top of it the length when i was at ohio state um when we played we ran uh, a 131 and we ran the diamond and our center was our power forward center was up top because of her length and us guards are on a wing, and it really helped out because of that length. And then when he has to drop down, he's in the paint to rebound the ball. And if the center's already in the paint, then he drops down. Um, I don't like them in the back because they're too slow, and going from wing to wing, is it's really hard. So I try to put my fastest player, I don't care about height. The fastest player I try to put in the back just so he's able to get out, contest, or just stop them for help to come. So. Um, like one three one, I, I like I like to play that a lot. As far as when I play it, like Sean, um, I – when we game plan, they know what we're going to play. So, I guess that'll build that trust that you were talking about, Ben. Um, the day before a game, they know what offense we're running for the first quarter We give them like three or four to run. Um, they know what defense is we're going to run. And they also know that if I call out whatever our defensive set is, they have to be ready to go. They have to be ready to switch um and that comes from me doing a lot in practice in practice i'm switching it all the time all the time all the time and sometimes with the new kids you get turnovers in practice but that's what you want it because they're like oh i thought we were in this oh you know i thought we were in this and um we talked about earlier about changing our offense and defense remember we was talking about making it um i think um not jay i forget who um tj maybe talked about like having uh, say if it's diamond for all year one sets so or colors like we started doing that in this off season so now they know if they're in the color set they're in this so i may say first quarter we're running colors and we're running yellow one of our zone defenses right or man defenses and i think that has helped a lot
0: steve i know you're syracuse guy um uh, what what's the zone defense that you're running
3: um i mean i've uh i like zone a lot um uh i shoot myself a lot why i spend so much time teaching man to man when majority of my team is coming from junior college and and or uh maybe a high school program where they haven't been taught much and you really you know to to get them to get the help side and do what they have to do is so difficult uh so i probably should play 40 minutes of zone every game if i was smart but but i don't but i do play uh, I'm like you, I evolved uh, my first four years, three and a half years as a coach. I played maybe, you know, one game a year. I'd play zone when we were completely overmatched. I'd play zone. Uh, I would play man 40 minutes every game. Uh, and, and I've evolved now that I almost feel like I should go the other way. Um, I feel with the shot clock, it's very effective uh, because teams don't have a, a lot of time to to probe and, and attack your, your zone. Uh, so I have two. I mean, I use like a traditional Syracuse C2-3 or a 3-2, which we call horseshoe. Um, I usually play around with both of them in the beginning of the year, and then the coaching staff depends, picks one uh, that we feel we do a little better. Uh, and then we, uh, we work on it. Um, in terms of the late-game situations, we are comfortable doing it we're not going to do a ton of defenses, so but we're going to have played. Let's just say it's the horseshoe. We'll have used it in every game. So if we want to put it on after a timeout or whatever, we're not, um, we know what we're doing. We may get beat uh, with a three point shot or whatever, but but we know what we're doing. Um, the other thing I'd say with zone is uh, I play zone basically for two reasons. Um, one, my team is good at it or two, I I can only speak for our conference. There's a lot of teams, including mine, that freeze the minute they see zone. So all attacking goes out the window. Uh, it becomes pass, pass, shoot a three, pass, pass, shoot a three. And um, honestly, in our conference, there's not a lot of guys who can shoot either. So if they pass, pass, and shoot a three, as long as you rebound, you're usually uh, in good shape. So, um I'm a big believer in it. I've won a lot of big games, usually about like the eight minute mark in the second half. You go to zone, you know, you have like an eight point lead. You go to zone. Um, other team is one pass and Jack because they're behind. And then you just stretch the game out. Whereas if you were in man, they would be one pass and attack the rim and your guys would get in foul trouble and get to the foul line. But once, once they see zone for whatever reason it is, it becomes one pass two to three. Uh, So uh, I like it a lot, you know, and I can get into how we play and stuff, but a lot of times you don't even have to play it. Well, I guess that's my point. It's the other team that doesn't attack it. Well, that, that uh, doesn't play smart against it.
0: I I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, I ultimately evolved to playing more uh, zone you know, because of that one pass and shot, you know, because the teams aren't attacking it well. You know, it's like they're shooting and I'm just hoping that we're going to grab the rebound. You know, there's not that much rotation that's needed because it's only a one pass and a shot situation. I do want to ask, when you say you're running your, your what you call your horseshoe, because I've seen it and I think, uh, I think Maryland used to run this way back in the day uh, with Gary Williams, right? The guy at the top would actually run the horseshoe. Yes, you know it's like the. Is that what you're doing? You have like
3: so the, the top the, the, guy of the three so the top two top goes, is dropping yeah. all the way to the block. It's just he's just ball you rim, wherever the ball right. is. So if ball's on the top, he's on the top. If it gets all the way to the corner, he's all the way now down on the block. So if you have an athlete like uh, my assistant coach Gene Marcial, who's like a smart athlete. Um, then it's a great zone to work. That That's the most important guy, the, the top guy. And you need two of them in case you change the lineup. That's the danger of the zone. If you get a guy in there who doesn't want to – he can be undersized. He has to compete. He has to really go down to the block and front people and do stuff. But if you have a guy, then it's effective. If I don't have a guy like that, then I just play two, three. Stick My a guy yeah, in
0: the middle. Yeah, that guy's got to be a workhorse. He,
3: Your boy workhorse. Dennis is the oh, ultimate gosh. horseshoe guy. No, you know, he can go. He can cover ground, block shots. You know, I just can't pass a class. <laughs> <That's good.
0: laughs> we can talk later. <laughs> um, Sean, you were talking about two-two-one. Where's your pickup point on your two-two-one?
1: Sure. So, so the black it was full court. So we were almost telling those top two guys to match up with the first two guys up, up the court. So it was almost like you were making that inbounds pass pretty tough like we would do in a matchup man situation and then we were just trying to get a couple turns and stunts so um our goal was two or three turns before half court if we could get it in that situation um white it depended on on you know who we were playing but usually be around the three-point line and we were really just trying to slow slow things down so um that was it. Beat us sometimes where where we got beat in the back of the press, and I had a six-one center last year, so if we got beat in the back of the press, it probably wasn't going to end very well. But we just thought that that changing, you know, changing the pace of the game um, and controlling that a bit gave us gave us the best chance. And we didn't have a lot of protection in the paint, so the more we could do that in the backcourt. The, the better it was gonna be for us. Whether that's we wanted to speed things up and get the type of shots we wanted, or we wanted to slow it down and take some time off the clock.
0: What's, what, what are those top guys' responsibilities? Is it just to make sure you're turning them two or three times? Yeah,
1: make, make it a tough catch. Make it a tough catch on the inbound uh, towards, towards the baseline. Um, don't pick up a cheap foul. And then you're just trying to get them to put the ball on the ground right away. So what I was trying to do was teach some of the components of the matchup that I'd eventually like to put in here a bit, but give them some simple concepts. So talk about stunning a little bit, talk about ball pressure. So our big thing was just making sure that the second somebody caught the ball, they're catching it in a tough place. And then they were putting the ball down. Talked about no vision a lot. So just just don't let them take a look down the floor. The first way they should be looking is, is at the floor. So um, we talked about that a lot. Guys, as they got in better shape, got better at that. But we had a lot of cheap fouls early in the year that, that guys started to figure out. And once they got away from that, they figured out how to be aggressive. But you got to get them past the mindset that um, they're trying not to get beat or blown by and and that's the biggest thing because guys are afraid to get blown by so they don't put enough pressure or they're afraid to get fouls and come out of the game so making sure that you're teaching guys how to not foul and at the same time making sure they're putting the pressure that they need and it's okay to get beat but it's not okay to stay beat um, was really important and then it's the job of that second line to stunt and slow the ball handler down to give them time to recover so um, we started to get a lot better at that later but at the beginning, it was a lot of slow down and, you know, try to take some time off the clock.
0: So, you know, I know in, you know, like a 2-2-1, two, two, you kind of push that sideline and you trap. but you said you were just stunting, you're not trapping. And second line guy is there to kind of slow him down so the top guy can, can recover. Now, when he recovers, is he bumping that guy back or is he running past him to pick up to a point?
4: Yeah,
1: we we never, uh, we didn't give them too many, too many rules. We just didn't want, you know, if we were in black, we wanted to make sure the ball was being put on the floor and they weren't passing against the zone. We wanted to make sure that people weren't running at the ball as it was coming towards them. So some of the similar concepts with like a matchup and we were just so heavy on stunts, stunt, 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 and ball pressure. And when we did that well, it worked really well. But Um, You know, and then in the the white version, it was don't let the ball go middle, you know, try to slow it down. Don't let the ball go over your head and make them work with 20 or 19 seconds on the shot clock to start in the half court.
0: What's the backline guy's responsibility? That's a
1: great question. So if there were shooters, if if there were shooters, um, if they felt like they had to go, because there were shooters behind it, he's got to go. And for us, it didn't really matter because we didn't have a center anyway. So it's not like if I was sending Danny out there to to go get him, we we're worried about him playing on the perimeter. So then you could ha- just have the, the weak side, second line guy drop down, you know, and then you can kind of recover out of that. So he could drop down and uh, take the basket. We ran into a lot of problems when the back line guy would hesitate to go out, you know, because people would put – two shooters in the corner, whatever the case is, throw it over the top. And he would hesitate to go out there because he didn't want to leave the rim. And we had to get them in the habit of, you just have to go. Like, you have to go. And that guy behind has to take care take care of the rim. Um, so that's where we got really burned with it early, is our back guy would hesitate to make a decision, not knowing if somebody would be there to cover him. And, and that's where it hurt. Um or getting beat middle just because guys didn't jump to the ball, one of those two
0: yeah, I think that's the the biggest difference that um that I have with um with the college and the high school in El dakota you can you can probably speak to this too that backline guy you know uh, on on the press, I always just said your responsibility is no layups, you know because if they're hitting ahead, the I'm comfortable with like a high school kid taking that quick three as opposed to maybe, a you know, a, a college level kid and, you know, shooting the ball. Um, yeah. I guess my mind, my thinking with, with that statement is like, you know, when, when you're in college, you have a little bit higher IQ of the game and, you know, you're probably getting more reps and, you know, you're doing smarter things, you know, making smarter decisions. Whereas the high school kid, that kid's open. He's gonna chuck it up, and we're just gonna rebound it, and, and you know, and off we go. I
1: also think I also think too it comes down to you know having more time to scout as well and seeing what your your opponents are doing against zone and other games. You know, we have all the all the film to look at, and so you kind of have an idea of who they might send down the floor, and it's usually one of the two best shooters. So, even though like Steve mentioned in our conference there's not a ton of great shooters the the one or two guys that that may be able to shoot the ball pretty well are probably the ones that are getting sent um down the court so i think it's really a, a scout driven thing and just having an understanding of what they might try to do um against
3: your against your press yeah and just to harp on that no layup rule we have that same rule then no layup except we use a scouting report where certain players shooting a three It is a layup. So my back man will be told if number 22 is shooting a three from the corner, that's a layup because some of these guys in D3 are that good. I mean, if you just leave them open, it's a layup. Especially when you go non-league, you can get just blown out of a game in seconds because our guys aren't used to seeing that level of shooting. So we still have the no layup rule. We just have players identified as a three-point shot is a layup. So you better get, you know, full closeout make him put it on the floor if you're the back man like a two-two-one, 2, two one. Um, You know, and, and then, like Sean said, it's an I, you got to have an IQ guy back there who can who, – who's smart enough to figure that out. You know, who do I have to go full closeout, run him off the line, and who do I bait into taking the shot? But, but we do have the same – it's right. the same rule as you have. No layup. It's just three-point shooters – are, that's a layup you know they're making it forty four percent of the time fifty percent over they're making it forty percent of the time it's a layup
0: yeah I think that I think that's a good point and you know that for you know even with d three like you have really good shooters there I just think for what I've come across in high school, you know that corner three is not you know there's very few and far between you know players at at our at, at the level that I've been where that corner three in that situation is a layup where we need to fly out, you know, and have a full closeout. Uh, Dakota, maybe you can, you know, speak more a little and bit about, you know, what you... Th- yeah, no,
4: definitely. I mean, I, you said you're putting someone that's smart back there. I think in high school, the difference is, I can try to hide somebody back there. Um, so, you know, that's a big difference. Um, I'm not putting anybody smart back there. Um, and yeah in high school let them shoot the three and then you know we'll all go crash and do our thing and then if he hits it he hits it and then you adjust after that but you know until they hit one or two there's no reason to have our guys flying out there because they're that good closeouts and they're just going to get blown by flying out there Um, so I might as well let them take that three as opposed to if Berger our big guy who's six six you know starts to go out there he's just going to give up a layup anyway so um, I think it's that's one of the biggest differences between college and the high schools. You guys are so scout driven. You guys can change up stuff. You know, we're trying. You know, high school sometimes in the zone. We're trying to hide somebody or or just try to create something where the other team has to decide. And you know, we're just kind of making them react.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. L, what the I know like you're, you know, you're very active, you know. With with your zones, as you know, as you said, you know you're trapping over half court, and you know, all all that with your one with your one two two and one three one, you know, like how important is it for for you to get that back line back line guy out there, you know, in like a full closeout or, you know, you know as opposed to stopping the layup.
2: Um, I think it just depends on a team. Um, you got kids, yeah, people like uh, saying when we used to play Megger, they, they, they can just shoot the ball. So um, I'd rather, you know, we'll work on something where that bad guy is rotating the clothes out and the opposite is dropping to help in the paint. Um, if we're playing uh, and it's like a smarter team, that if you're playing like Lou, maybe you depends on who you got to stay in because you got to box out. Um, so it, it really depends on the matchup. I hate to be cliche, but it, it's, it's the matchup. I don't have a, um, a definite, this is what you have to do every game. I think um, for me, getting into that mindset, I'm, I might mess up as a coach, you know. So I try to, um, you know, just have the, what we're going to do with someone else and who we're playing. The first time around, you know, you play these teams twice in high school. First time around, maybe it's just like, you know what? We're giving them shots, so stay at home, right? But that second time around, after you saw them, this is how we're going to handle it. So I, I guess that would be my answer. And the and then you're referring to the one three one.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And if the full court press, you know, we run our diamond, we run our one three one, 3 uh, one full court, um, that bad guy, I do not let him go out. If it's full court, I don't let him go out. Because you know, if you're pressing, you want them to take that quick three, if they can make that quick three on a press and with all of that adrenaline going, then he's gonna make it with you there and not. Full court, I don't let them go out. That that middle person is usually my slow. That black person is usually my slowest person, and his job is just to stay his butt in that paint. If they come to the rim, go for the block. If not, put him on his ass, and and that's it. (laughs) That's
0: right. No layups. You know, if you put him on the line, you put him on the line. Um, Dakota, let me me ask you, um, when you're, when you're playing zone, you know, uh, at the various stops that you were at for coaching, how did you play screens? You know, for instance, say, you know, uh, how about a top screen, you know, at at the top of the key or, you know, how, how are you playing screens?
4: That, that's, that was one of the problems. (laughs) Um, it's, if you run into a good zone screening team they're going to be really good effectively on offense from the zones that we that we've ran um so a lot of the times we would go you know if we see that their zone that they're they are screening a certain area of the zone we would kind of tell our guys to cheat so that we can kind of stop and stunt at it Um, so that was the easiest way Um, you know sometimes you got to do it through scout and obviously sometimes in high school you just got to look at it Um, especially playing two three uh, if they're going to screen that outside man, I could just bump that bottom guy up and, and kind of try to corral that a little bit. Um, if they're playing 3-2 and you're screening the middle guy, you know, you, then you're just kind of picking, you know, where you want the ball to go, uh, either the wing or the corner. Um, so, yeah, it was it was really just, a, just small adjustments, bumping guys up. And then uh, sometimes uh, we'd also try to uh, attack the ball handler and not even let him get to the screen. Um, because he's not really expecting that, especially coming out of his own, um, if they haven't seen it. So uh, that was a little change-up that we would try to run sometimes.
0: You would attack them with both, you know, like if you're a yeah. Q3, you attack them with the both top guys? Yeah. All right. Steve, how are, how are you handling, you know, uh, teams that are screaming, screening your zone?
3: Um. Well, we do a lot of – when we commit to whichever zone we're using, we do a lot of breakdowns. You know where I where I you know I take the top guys. Gene takes the bottom guys. We're just getting over the top of that screen, and we're cheating it kind of big time. So when that screen is is coming over, you're supposed to already maneuver yourself and get up on top of that screen because you already know uh, it's not like a man to man situation where you, you, there's already another player there for you. But the big thing is just I mean we don't spend like a lot of time on it. I think that's like the beauty of the zone is we spend a lot of time on the zone. But what I mean, the beauty of playing the zone is you're you're not put in like those constant pick and roll situations, you know, where when you play the man, you know, at our level, it's, you know, almost every possession, it's a pick and roll, you know. And even if you, you know, you're UVA and you're just a master at it, you're just you going to see it over and over. When you get the zone, you see less of it. Number one, and number two, you just you kind of have that help just sitting there. So it, it we we just work on getting over the top of it, feel it, get over the top. The bottom screens I think we have more trouble with, where it's you know our dude who can't defend. He's down on the bottom of the zone, trying to hide hide out. He gets screened in. I mean his job is basically just to cheat it. I mean he can cheat. He should feel that screen coming. He should just be cheat. He should be over the top of that screen, three quarters towards the next pass, which is let's say it's going to the corner, and he, and he should be able to get out. Um, we'll, we're more willing to give up the slip of the guy who's setting the screen than, than the shooter. Um, again, our level, um, you know, I'll use one of Sean's guys, like a Romello. Um, it's one of the reasons why I don't start in zone a lot. Because I'm just afraid if a guy like Romelo is left alone by accident in the first minute of the game and he makes a three, he's now going to score 30 points. So I want him – he has to make his first basket covered. <laughs> you know, like if he makes his first basket covered, we, you know, we'll clap. But if we can't let him get one of these 2-2-1s, throw it down to the corner – You know, and he makes a three because now it's over, man. It now we're all over him, and these dudes start making them. Um, That's just a philosophy point for me. Um, When there's certain player, I like to start first couple minutes, man, just to make sure a certain each team has one of those guys in our league who's just really talented, and uh, I want him marked uh, early in the game. Then if he misses one or two then we can let the reins go and and, and start to stunt. But on on screens, it's just get over the top. It's not a lot of time really spent on it. Um, it. Your opponent doesn't spend time attacking the zone. You have to keep that in mind. So Sean probably spends, you know, 60% of uh, his offense. He probably spends 75% of his offense on his man-to-man. And when he sees a team play zone, he works on his zone. That's what we all do, you know, so – that's the advantage of the zone. Just let other team has less reps against it.
0: Yeah, I, um, Sean, I'm going to ask you how you're how you're playing the screens. And Steve, uh, you know what you brought about brought on about those you know those uh, inside screens, those bottom lines. I want to I want to go around and ask that too um, So I have some I have some thoughts. But Sean, how are you playing um, you know screens you know at the top? Yeah,
1: I mean, it's very, very similar to, to what everybody else said. And it, it depended on, um, depends on who you're playing. So sometimes we would try to just really cheat it and keep the ball on the same side of the floor. Um, otherwise, we would just try to anticipate and fight over. There's nothing, yeah, we, we didn't do anything crazy with it. Um, and we also didn't play a ton of zone in the, the half court that got, possessions we were either going from you know the full court zone you know back into the half court so you're already kind of talking about a broken possession where there's not a lot happening against it you know so you're either getting beat with a quick shot where somebody didn't contest or or you're dealing with a breakdown early before you're even getting to that sort of situation um, so we didn't we didn't really deal with that a ton and just because of how small we were this year, I mean, getting the ball inside, uh, I mean, that was all we, we focused on, really. Teams weren't screening us as much as they were just trying to get their guys to a position where they were, they were just pounding us inside. Uh, so that's where we focused a lot of our time on. We, we weren't getting screened a ton. But if we were, we'd handle it very similar to, to what you guys were doing already. Yeah.
0: Now, what, what do you think? Are you doing it any differently um, I know you're, like you know, like I said before, and you said you're attacking the ball and trapping a lot. Um, what about when someone comes up and screens that?
2: Um, it depends on um, who I have, I hate to say. It. Uh, a lot of times um, I like to trap if it's a high ball screen, you know, if it's even in the zone, I want to trap it. I want those two players to trap it. If it's a screen like they were saying at the elbow or something like that, we might cheat it. We might go under it. Um, But like Steve was saying, I think one of the biggest issues um, I've been having lately is that bottom person getting screened in and just getting, like, lit up on that corner. Um, That has been, like, man. Like I told you guys earlier, I've never had a team in my life give up so many threes than this year. Like, I felt like I played against Golden State Every day, every game we had, we were playing against the Warriors. I go to the box full and it's like 10 threes given up. And um, you know that's why I try to stay away from certain zones because that is, once you get screened, it's hard. Even if you sit up there, like you said, you teach me, you teaching it. The game happens, and these kids sometimes they just lose the skills that you've been teaching them. So if it's a if it's like a a drag screen, some teams you know they run drag screens against zones and will trap it. We'll trap it. A lot of teams like that. Um, if it's a tough point guard, I definitely want to trap him to try to slow him down a little bit.
0: Um, yeah. So then, then let's let's talk about that that bottom screen, that inside screen. You know, um, I definitely remember a couple games when you get. You know, I think it's when you when you when you're playing against coaches that are smart enough to. You know, get their guys to do that. I, you know, so I, I run, you know, two three and a one three one, and we we're running. I can remember specifically running, running the one three one, and the the ball would be weak side wing came down and screened that low guy, and as the ball got reversed back to the top, the the ball then dribbled over, and I had two cutters coming through. You know, now the first cutter's coming off that screen and we picked him up. But now it's that back guy, that second cutter that's coming through. How are you, how are you playing that? You know? I'm yelling at my guy, you just can't get screened. You know, and, and ultimately that's 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 what it is. Like you you gotta see the screen and you can't get screened. But now he's getting screened, it's like how how are you playing that? So you know, you know, like what are you doing against those those inside screens there? Yeah, you know, what, what, what do we think?
2: I think if it continues to happen a lot of times, I tell the um, the two bottom if we're in that type of, of zone to play like a man, and talk and switch. Um, I'm still big on, and I know they, I don't know people do it, I still bump the cutters and I teach my kids that. So if it's a cutter there, we're bumping him. So we displace him and then it's a little harder. Maybe he don't want to set that screen because a lot of times I'm like, if he screens you, Hit him, right? High, don't extend it. And then, you know, after a while, they'll stop. Or if we still can't adjust, I might switch the defense and go to man to get out that zone. It depends, on, it depends on what you want to give up that game. Like, what is your plan? What are you going to give up? Are you going to give up that three? If you're going to give up that three, you live with it. If you don't want to give up that three, then you have to either go man or make that guy, like you guys said, cheat out. And we all say that. I say that all the time, like stop getting screened and they're looking at you like, I'm not trying to get screened, but it's happening. So I think that goes back to um, having them move with when the ball's in the air, practicing moving when the ball's in the air. And I think a lot of times, you know, people get stuck because kids stand and then they try to react instead of doing what you all, sure, I'm sure I tell move with the ball in the air.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Steve, what, what were you going to say? No, I was just going
3: to say it's, uh, you know, Baruch in our league, um, John Jay in our league. I mean, I try to do it too. My guys don't really do it well. You know, they do that same thing you're talking about where they, you know, they fake screen the the outside guy and then they pin the middle guy and the second guy, guy comes along the short corner and he's wide open and he lays it in. Um, uh, number one, you know, you, hopefully you showed it to them. I think that's always the key, again, at our level. If, it, uh, if a team ha- – like, we try to have the, the one pet peeve. You know, everyone has one good set against the zone, so we're trying to identify that one set so the guys um, can be aware of it because that's really what it is. It's kind of like you fall asleep more than the, how effective the play is. Um, and then, two, uh, ball pressure. You know, if that's that's your savior, if you have good ball pressure, when that dude comes wide open in the little short corner area, because your guy got screened in, maybe the pass is a little bit off, or you deflect the pass, or he doesn't see him, and uh, you know you survive that that one one trip. But um, those are all effective plays where you, you know, player one comes hard to the corner, player two is sneaking in that under the rim spot. Uh, a you got to be aware of it uh read that it's coming and and, you know i was going to say to you guys when you have a zone you know if you're playing two three you you know you just got to have an intelligent like we had alex hansen like alex can't really score or anything but he's he's super smart you know he he knows what's going on and if you have a guy like that it works if you don't if you have a low iq guy in those positions you know you're in trouble
0: yeah, Sean. What What do you think about that that inside screen? You know, like I think, like Elle said and Steve said, like it's. I think it's really hard to uh, guard against if someone does, is doing it really effectively.
1: Yeah, well, I actually, I actually want to add on to something that Steve said about about ball pressure. Um, one of the challenges I've had with shifting to zone defense, I'd be curious on on everybody else's thoughts. Is that I thought just just as much as the offense has become more passive and less willing to run offense, it's also a challenge to get guys who are guarding to ball the ball to be as aggressive defensively in ball pressure when you need it to as well. So found a lot of times just getting guys past that mentality of, of being active, disrupting the ball handler, making sure that there's not direct passes against the zone. You know, it, it took a, it takes a lot of effort to get them in that mindset to be aggressive to a certain extent. And if you can get them there, that solves a, a lot of problems. So um, I, I don't, Hey, I don't have any good answers for that, that inside screen. Uh, so I'm going to take some of this, this with me because it, it definitely, definitely hurt me a bit this year as, as well, especially at John Jay. So, but one, one of the things with, with Lehman that I, I always appreciate is they always have experienced guys that, that dictate where the ball goes and, and, you know, dictate the pressure and the temperature levels. So sometimes they're sitting back, sometimes they're they're heating the ball up, and um, I think that's what makes some of the zones so effective. But I'm curious of what you guys think, because I just found it so hard to get our guys to be very aggressive on the ball in zone defense. And I think just as much as zone offense can get very stagnant, the same thing can happen when you're trying to dictate a mentality to how guys should play on, on the zone defensive end of the floor.
0: Yeah, I, d- I definitely found um, that stagnation, you know, when we're in our 2 3 and kind of that offense is just going back and forth with like the pitter patter, you know, at the top trying to figure out what they're going to do. You know, I definitely found that stagnation and that, you know, that, um, you know, apprehension to go play and put ball pressure on them. You know, it, yeah, I, it, it's always it kind of always boggles my mind why you're letting the the offense like set up what they want to set up you know and that that that's kind of what it was they you know they they're back and forth and you know so our guys are sitting back or not putting the pressure there and it's like we're we're waiting for them to to set up you know like those inside screens that kill us you know or something like that i i, I don't get it i don't get it um you know, but that that's good. And you know, um, Dakota, what do you, what do you think?
4: know I was gonna ask Sean. So, what what drills did you do throughout the season to to amp up your guys' aggression as it went on? Because it seems like you know there are we you know Ben we've had problems with it about getting these guys aggressive in the zone. So, what are you doing to try to break that mentality of it's a zone, I can chill?
1: Uh, we we have our assistant coaches, so. I'm fortunate enough where we usually have two or two or three assistants at practice, um, every day. So for me, it's, it's more, it's less of a drill and it's more of an assignment of something to emphasize. So I always have an assistant coach on ball pressure in general. And then if we were playing more, you know, we play a lot of five on five in practice, a lot of three on three, a lot of five on five. So Um, I usually have a coach in charge of defensive transition coach in charge of boxing out coach in charge of ball pressure. And, you know, um, one of my assistants at some point, maybe he's looking at the offense and I'm focused more on something on the defensive end that day. But I found that just, if you put a coach on it that really emphasizes it, and that's one of the couple things that he's really looking at, whether it's zone defense, man defense, whatever it is, that's what's helped the most rather than, the drill is just the, the consistent emphasis. So if I felt like it was something that day, Hey, we're going to play a little bit more zone in practice and we got to really amp up the ball pressure. Like I might, I might take that responsibility and then give one of my assistants, something else to focus on um, that. I usually may focus on more. So um, we would talk about that before every practice, maybe it'd be like five minutes, maybe like, Hey, Spence, you're on, you know, you're on ball pressure and defense to transition today. You know, boy, you got box outs and crash, you know, crash opportunities. So found the emphasis was much important for us than the, what, what drills we may necessarily be running.
0: And I think that's very helpful when you have assistance that, that can do that. <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> Be, being someone, you, you know, at that high school level, we might get a volunteer, we, we might have, a, you know, an adequate freshman coach to help you out, <laughs> but, um, so, uh, last two questions that I, that I have, and then, you know, I know, I know you guys have some too, um, but one, um, when, when do you give up
2: on the zone? When are you giving up on the zone? when we're getting shut out again. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know any other. I, I'm i big on, Oh, you know, I'm that coach. Oh, they hit it one time. He hit it twice. And then it's like, get the over to this guy. And then after that, you gotta, like, if you're giving up five threes in a quarter, uh, three threes in a quarter, you gotta pack it in. Um, but You know, and sometimes I'm brave and I try to go back to the zone, but then it – or one of my assistants like, oh, let's go back to the zone. And if I don't say it and they start hitting more threes, I'm chewing him or her out. Like, I told you to stay out that damn zone. I think that when you just can't, you're just getting killed. And sometimes there's no scouting report when people get lucky, like, or just start hitting threes. You can't. I think that if you're staying in the zone is – Increasing your chances to lose, get the hell out.
0: <laughs> that's a good, that's a good point, Steve. What, what, do you, what do you think? Like, when are you?
3: Um, well, we, you know, we have a couple of rules kind of uh, beforehand. Um, one is no player makes two threes in a row. You know, so if player A makes a three, uh, someone else on that floor has to make the next three. We're not going to let not that it we don't not that we don't let it happen but by we're not supposed to allow any player to make two threes in a row um number two we don't want the you can't shoot the threes from the same spot on the floor you know so if Romelo makes a three against our zone in the right wing he better not make another one in the right wing he has to go somewhere else um to make those shots um Three, I mean, the hardest thing, and I actually play zone even with little kids, and people say it's bad to do that. And I'm a man coach, but the game is changing. I mean, with the shot clock, uh, I mean, it's, the zone is effective. man. so um, I spend the whole beginning of my season emphasizing to my guys that we're playing zone to stop the three, not to give up the three. Like, and that is a hard concept for for my guys to understand. They they think, oh, this team doesn't shoot well. We play zone, and I try to say the reverse. No, this team does shoot well, and we can't get through screens and plays and and ball screens. So we're going to play zone to stop the 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 three. And I, I really do hit, emphasize that mindset. We go zone; it's to stop three. You no know, uh, guys on the bottom. No, their rule is no three. They should not really give up a three. Like you should, you're cheating out and. You're not giving up a three, um, so when do I get out of it? I get out of it when I think guys have lost their um, accountability, uh, which happens a lot. Guys start looking around, pointing fingers at other people. It's not my area coach, I wasn't back, and once I sense a little bit of loss of accountability, you know then it's match up and you know don't get your ass beat and and uh, but I, for for realistically I mean i'll um, I'll stay in it. Uh, I just, you know, I, I've never gone full zone because I'm just afraid to go on the road and play full zone. But I'll play anybody in my own gym 40 minutes of zone uh, comfortably. But but on the road, I just had too many games like Elle said where just guys are making threes and it's just frustrating. You know? Then you have to just try to match up and come back.
0: I think that's a, a great point. You're, you know, you're playing the zone to stop the three. Because I think um, like I said earlier, one of the reasons why I started to play more zone is because I couldn't, you know, guys started losing the ability to keep the ball in front of them, you know, and, um, but it's, uh, you know, that shift in mindset, like you're playing to stop the three, you know, that's, uh, that's interesting, you know, I think it's a great way to look at it. Uh, Sean, when, when are you, when are you taking it off? Like when are you like, where we had enough
1: well this year we I was just trying to throw a couple few everything against the wall and see what stuck so um there there was no rhyme or reason sometimes it would be hey this is this is working let's ride with it a little bit and, and see where it goes but um I think it's less when we give up on it just because I, I tried to be more of a a man team so we would actually go to the zone not necessarily when man wasn't working or anything like that but more I do like the idea of changing the pace. So using it more as a change of pace. So like I said, we became really effective second half of the year of switching up the type of zone we were doing after every timeout, you know, or, um, near the end of the half. So we even started throwing in some triangle and two and and diamond and one chaser. And we go three, two and two, three. And, Kind of as some of you guys mentioned before, it wasn't something we spent a ton of time on in practice, but we just felt that we were going to have a really hard time getting easy points this year. So we we're looking for opportunities to, to create some easy points or some easy momentum at some different points in the game to kind of make up for that. So, you know, we knew we weren't winning the rebound battle. We weren't great in transition, so we had to find a way. So we felt that not necessarily like when were we giving up on something, but could we just continue to change the pace of the game? And I wasn't good at that early in the year. And then we started to figure it out later, but, but it really, it really helped us like really helped us just kind of take out the flow of the game a little bit and muck it up a little and and give us a, give us some, some competitive um, opportunities. So um, that's really what it was for us this year Um, rather than, hey, we've been playing the 2-3 zone and we're getting we're getting our ass kicked and we we got to get out of it.
0: When you throw those jump defenses in, like the triangle and two and, you know, diamond and one with the chaser, you know, you're you, like you said, you're not spending a lot of time on it. You know, how – I guess how upset are you getting at your guys not doing it? You know, like is this just one possession, this is two possessions, and then like, all right, we've done it, we've changed – you know, we've changed the look, you know, it's like, yeah. how, how 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 are you approaching that in games? Like, all right, now we're going to go to triangle and two.
1: Yeah. I mean, we tell them in the timeout and I, I, I felt like, especially with that sort of stuff, like the guys really bought into it later on, you know, because we had our terminology for it and they got excited, you know, they, they would just get excited about that, about changing the pace of the game for a minute. And um you know if we knew that we were playing a, a good team with with two really good players you know we would in practice like the day before we might go like five minutes in our live action of hey we're putting two gold jerseys on those guys and you know hey that's Gaithers and that's Batista you know and we're just gonna we're just we're just going chaser for the next couple of possessions and we're gonna see how it looks you know and we tell those guys some of the tendencies of those players that we went through on film and just have them act like that but um, I, I, I liked it. I mean, over this offseason, I've had a lot of conversations just about, you know, keeping it simple, but looking at those kind of special situation times, whether it's late in the game, after timeout, right before half, right to start of half. And I'm becoming more and more of a believer that, you know, there's certain ways that teams prepare for each of those situations. And it's a great opportunity to throw something different out there, you know, that's not a man-to-man, you know, just playing man-to-man to to start the half. You know, why not play something else to start the half when a man-to-man play has probably been drawn up in the the huddle right before? And and I think all of a sudden you look at the course of the game and and that's 7 to 10 possessions or or 10 to 12 possessions that you're talking about that, you know, you put in your favor because teams aren't prepared for those in those moments. And that kind of, for us this year, having some deficiencies like that, that helped close the gap for us in a lot of games. And then, you know, you get on a run the defense is working well and and the offense is moving a little bit and you can get something going. So um, I'm thinking of going to it a lot more, just, just changing different things. And two years ago, I would have told you like I'm going man the whole time. I hate switching up defenses and, now I'm, I'm looking at those situations specifically a lot and saying there's a lot of opportunity here and people don't practice those things a lot. They may practice special situations a lot, um, but it's still so geared towards man-to-man that I think those are opportunities we could really take advantage of.
0: Oh, 100%. Um, Dakota, when, when are you getting out? Oh, uh,
4: so at Concordia, we, we used it as a switch-up defense only. Um, we were mostly man-to-man. So, as soon as uh, they hit two threes, we were out right away. Um, and then we've kind of had that rule on other teams that I've coached on where you might not be out right away, but after the second three, you need to say, what what was my purpose for going to the zone? Because, you know, at that point, threes – the points start to pile up very quickly. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, three threes, and, like, my guy's got to score five times now if we don't hit a three. Like – that's a lot of possessions to put together back to back. So I think after two, you know, you really got to assess what was the purpose? Why would I do it? You know, it, well, was it just they hit two good shots or, you know, what was the situation that led to those two threes and then, and then kind of take it from there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I always found, you know, especially when I was playing um, like our two, three, if that ball got to the short corner and then got skipped out, like we were, we were done. And then, you know, not to mention if it was skipped out and then one more, you know, um, that's where we were like really vulnerable because um, a lot of times that, that short corner area where it was a trapping area for us. And so now it's, and now it's skipped out and now it's past one more and you know, that, that wing that's over there on the two, three, he's got the first pass. And now you got your big in the center, you know, uh, who's got to get over to that, to that. And, you know, that, that one more pass to the corner, like where do you guys find yourself to be most vulnerable in your, you know, in your zone and, you know, uh, Sean and Steve, obviously this might be a loaded question for you guys as, as you're in conference against each other, but well-
1: well I I mean I was just going to say I think that's why so many teams have been so effective going to that slow down full court zone because usually if you can get the ball to the second or the third side against the zone you could probably hit that short corner guy or you can hit someone at the high post and and get some of those options that you're looking at but if you're already taking 9 to 10 seconds off the clock initially and you're keeping the ball on the first side of the floor. Now, all of a sudden, by the time the ball gets to the second side of the floor, you're, you're talking about being at 12 seconds, 11 seconds on the clock. And uh, I, know, I know teams I've been on have had a lot of problems with that in the past, where the ball is just not moving because the team took so much time off the clock. And usually that short corner or the slip or the flash of the high post is there on that second and third side. And that's where you get beat. So those teams, I thought, did a great job of just kind of eliminating all of that, you know, and keeping the ball on the first side or, or, or taking away those options. So um, I always thought that was the most difficult to play against is it, all this time is taken off the clock and it's hard for you to get movement from side to side offensively. So I've noticed more teams going to that, um, you know, interested in Steve's thoughts on that. But that's something I've noticed a lot of teams doing that.
3: Um, I think it's been really effective. I mean, number one, I know I hate when I have to see a 2-2-1 two, two, or any pressure. I mean, that's one of the rules I try to use as a coach. If I personally don't like it, maybe I should do it against other teams. Which is a number I, you know, I'm a, I get petrified every time I see full court pressure because I know that, A, my guys are just going to be careless with it. Uh, so even if it's not a good, good pressure, they're going to make a mistake. B, we don't get to run into our – we're very robotic. So now there's no secondary – you know, we can't run our Kansas coach. What do we do? You know, and and they panic or they just shoot quickly. So, uh, you know, Sean has a great point about putting some token, even if it's just token pressure, get them out of their rhythm. Um, but I'm a conservative dude. I usually like to just get back a lot. Uh, so if I'm in the zone and I'm getting back, like you, what beats me um, is a guy who can shoot from the high post. That's like a Doug Levy. I'm petrified to play a lot of zone because you just we're giving you that shot basically, you know. And I think that's Ben to get to your point about you know like if the ball goes short corner, we are trapping it, but we're just so scout report oriented. So there are a lot of teams where I could use Sean's team for example, whereas their inside guy doesn't make easy ones. You know what I'm saying? Like if I have Alex Hansen in there with a mild contest, we almost want the two over him instead of someone shooting a contested three. If you, if you understand what I mean, like we're, we so we're, we're using the scout in the zone. We're just, we will give up shots. It's we're trying to give up a shot um, to a lesser player with our best rim protector near the rim, which in this case would be Alex Hansen, or if I have a rim protector. So a lot of times it's reverse of what you think it's, we're actually giving up the little eight footer, the little seven footer um, with the idea that that player is not going to make that shot and uh, a couple of options. And then with Sean, I loved using uh box and one and triangle and two. Um, we always do it in practice. So if we're work, if we're doing our horseshoe, it's usually triangle and two, then two guys match up. Um, again, why? Because I fear it. You know, I, I, I was waiting, uh, ask uh, Sean, I, every practice I would have a triangle in two on um, uh, Gian and Isaiah. I was waiting for it every game. Someone just covers Zay and Gian and leave everybody else open. And we really didn't see it. But I feared that so much because you know, I have two guys who are scoring 20 points. And after that, maybe Tommy's and make a three. Um, so I think, Sean, has a great point. I think everybody should have those. Um, and you just, like you said, you one trip. And if the team – you use game pressure. You have to use game pressure. I mean, if your team's losing by 10 and you do it, you know, everybody makes a three. But if it's a tight game, you go to game pressure, that third player is wide open, he misses. And uh, then you stay in it. That third player makes it, and you just get back out of it. And so one – you know, it's only when you – if you can think of it, it's only one basket, and it might work for three or four baskets. Um, uh, I saw uh, CSI uh, cover – who's the who's the good guy in Hunter? I can't believe I'm getting the, his The forward. Going. Who's the, Keener. Keener. They covered Keener, uh, and Hunter was up like 10 or 12, and game changed completely with that one junk defense by uh, Tibbs. So I think you gotta at least have it in your arsenal and just show it to your guys. You don't have to be good at it. You just kind of hope it works. And but there, there's always a spot for it. That,
0: That's an interesting point, Dakota. Yeah. What, what were you gonna say? Oh, that
4: that was gonna be my question. Are we not? Are we as coaches not being creative enough and trying to use all these defenses to our advantage as much as we should? Be? You know, because I mean, everybody. You know, we're all here. The the token pressure, the the junk defenses. Is it just because there's, you know, we're just only so much time in practice that we can kind of get stuff in, but, you know, then can you sneak it out for one possession here, one possession there, you know, in a big game and, and it can make it all worth it? So, like, you know, every – you know, the conversation about zone defenses is, is just – it's kind of like, okay, maybe I should really start to try a couple of different things that aren't really hard but are just different than what other people are doing just for that, that different factor of like, wait, well, what are we going to do to score against this? Like that's what I'm kind of taking away from all of this.
0: I, I think, I think you're right. Yeah. Sean, what, what were you going to say?
1: Well, I was, I was just going to say one of the things I, I learned when I was up at stack um, before I was at CCNY, and even though even though stack doesn't play a lot of zone, but um, they play a ton of ton of five on five and they they're really so focused on situations in five on five and, and just introducing different concepts. So I think in the past I would have really shied away from throwing in all these defenses because I'd be like, well, there's no way that our guys could could get good at, at all of these defenses or, or good enough to the point where I thought it was better to throw a bunch of these defenses in rather than just be really, really good at one or two, like it took, it took a while for me to get to that point. And I still believe that to a certain extent, you just have to be really good at, at one defense. But what I've realized is I think if you're playing more five on five and you're, you're putting more live situations in practice, it gives you such an opportunity um, to throw in those defenses. And I like playing more of those now because it prepares your guys offensively for more things to see before you're getting to the scout one or two days before. So like if 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 Steve is the first guy that's playing a three two zone against us, but we're mixing in some defenses earlier in the year, it's kind of like our, our base man to man defense. At the beginning of the year we're talking about handoffs, we're talking about how to guard certain screens. You know, I see it in a similar way now where it's like, guys, we've we've already had had some some time in practice where we've gone against a three two zone, you know, and now Lehman's gonna play it and you know but but they've already seen it a little bit so they don't have to be great at it defensively or offensively but they're comfortable enough where now I feel good for a few possessions using it and I think before I just thought if there were really good teams they would just see through that you know Um, and and you you might get away with it for a possession or two but then you know by the third possession that team would kill you and and that's why I was I was always against it so I think just knowing when you want to use it, and then you don't have to do it a ton. Like, we might have gone to Chaser or Triangle and Two for maybe five minutes of practice, like five minutes of the live period, or after one little timeout that we called them practice, and then you can say, "Hey, we we've done this in practice, even if it was for two possessions that day." So, um, since we've played more live, I've found more opportunities to kind of throw that stuff in.
0: Yeah. Um, oh, where, where do you think you're vulnerable? And then also just to piggyback on what, what, you know, the conversation is like, how many of these junk defenses have you been playing?
2: I was just asking the two kids here, What where, where, where do they think we're weak at? You know, it's always good to get the players idea. Um, my kid says the middle, the top, the key, because we give up threes. The freshman kid said the wings. I think we're most high posts. For me, um, we're weak at the high post. Uh, it's just because they get lax. Oh, the ball's not right. I don't have to guard the ball, so I'm just in help side. sending the key, not realizing. If there's somebody up there, you got to touch him. You're guarding him. Even in the zone, we're still in man principles. And I try to say that all the time. We're still in man principles. So for me, um, this in general, I think the high post, I've been working on it. I'm going to continue to work on it. Uh, this year, the wings. As far as junk defenses, um, this year, with basically having like six to seven plays in practice, I did a lot of that practice. I, I was fortunate to do that. And in games, it helped. Like, I'll say, okay, for the first quarter, we're in a box. No dribble. I have rules where they can't dribble. We're just passing, and cut, and working on our flex offense. So, no dribble. Um, play in the zone. Yes? No dribble. just wanted to make a cameo appearance or um, or we're in a triangle where I was like okay if it was four on four uh you three are in a triangle and one has the point guard and then I keep switching it I'll go to both teams and tell them what they're doing in that quarter and uh, during that live time I mean I, like I told said I don't really have 10 plays on my team ever <laughs> um so with me having eight plays I get to do that kind of junk defense. And, like, when a game comes, I'm like, okay, we, we you got the shooter. Everybody else is in the zone. And they'll be like, oh, but well, we got an extra person, coach. You know, they'll say something like that. And I'm like, all right, he, he'll just stay in the boxing. We'll go boxing one or you two get the two guards. I think we were playing against um, East New York Family Academy. Tough guards this year. Really tough guards. They come back next year. And uh, they were beating us by, like, 20. And I just went to, like, a triangle in two. You know, the kids didn't realize it. I just had uh, some people in foul trouble. I took the biggest three kids I had and put them in in the middle so we could get rebounds. I put my best guards, and they played defense. Now, they weren't the best five offense, but they were the best five defense, and that turned the game around, and we wound up losing by, I think, one in overtime. So, if I had 12 people, I don't know if I would practice that junk defense before, but Having this year with the situation, now I'm more comfortable doing that. And like you said, Sean, I think that um, a lot of the times I didn't do that because it's, you know, gimmicky and people are like, oh, they play a two, you know, a triangle and two, and you hear that. So, you know, sometimes you're like, I can beat you five on five, you know. But my new – it's always been win by any means necessary. Like if I have to play a box and a half, if it was possible, whatever it takes to win, I'm going to do it. I'm sorry.
1: So I, I, was, I was curious with that, L because I, I remember in an earlier conversation, you said you barely had 10 players or eight players. So I was curious when you're throwing that stuff in and then you're getting in a game setting and you have to get five kids on the same page, how, how you would do it. I, I thought that would almost make things more confusing than, than easier. But um, I, I was just curious because I, I think that would be really difficult at this level, let alone the high school level.
2: Yeah, I think that um also I have a good group of alumni that come back on Friday nights and they play them. So that's the day for sure. They know Friday's double practice and they they know that Friday night the alumni is coming in to play them. So they know that they're gonna get that. They're gonna get that five on five time. And and you know, a lot of times I say this is who's gonna this is how this is how I'm determining your playing time on this five on five time. Like you have to work hard. So that gives them. So we get one day a week where, or Saturday, if Saturday, the alumni is not too sore from Friday night. They'll come back Saturday, and we'll just scrimmage. But um, yeah, so they get at least one one day a week to have five five.
0: Where where are you trapping? You know, like where where are your trap areas? If you are trapping, I know Sean, you said you weren't really trapping in your in your two two one. You know, um, but. L I know you're trapping over half court. Steve, where, where are you trapping? You know, with, with your zones, with with your two, three and your three. We're using a
3: two, three. And we've decided that during the season, we're going to play it a lot. Um, or more than, you know, half the time, let's say that's a lot. Um, then yeah, we have to have some traps, um, because people just get too comfortable, like you said. So you just have to break the comfort. So, uh, Short corner is an automatic trap. No matter what we're doing, uh, hard automatic trap. Anticipate the pass going there. Trap that guy. Um, it's all about a determent. Trying to deter. We feel it's a weak spot. Therefore, we're trying to deter it by letting our opponent know that we're going to trap you hard. Uh, but you know, then we just do the. You know, I don't know if you guys know Ray Rankis. He used to be the Baruch coach. He's kind of like. The guy I copy, you know, I was like when Sean was coaching, uh, I was young and he was the old guy and he won a lot of games. Um, So Ray would always, he had the blast, which we used, two, three blast. That's the old typical, like Sean said, start the half, two, three blast. You know, guy dribbles over half, just run two at the guard, catch him off guard, wings are attacking the first pass. Uh, Other guys got no layup rule. And we're just going to try to. And it, it, after a timeout, at halftime, it just it's it's so simple, but yet so effective because they they, they can't run a set; they have to, to make that play. Uh, so that's the blast: just two three two guys on top, you no. Know, and then we have the X, you know, which would just be the corner, uh, which we would use mostly out of bounds situations. The team's on the on the bound; we might go to X. Uh, which is the wing and the corner guys are going to trap the corner. Um, if you're going to play zone, like as your, as a primary, I think you got to have some traps just to, on that day where it's not going well, you got to have something to, to change it up. So that's our traps.
0: How are you, um,
2: then could I ask Steve the question? How are you
0: rotating? Yeah. I'm yeah, sorry. Go right ahead.
2: Um, What's your two, three trap? I um, run that too. I call it like black, and as soon as they attack, come over. Um, how, I mean, I know it's a different level. I have trouble with the opposite. So, you know, the two that's in the passing lane and the one that might be in the middle. How are you teaching that in practice? Because I've been having trouble with the guys reacting.
3: Yeah, no, they do, but it's all out. I mean, I, our guys know we're going to do it twice a game, maybe once. So, if you're the wing, and you don't all out sell for a steal. Like, and it happens. The ball, like, they'll throw it right to the high post. You know, like, the the you're just like, dude, everybody in the gym knew that ball was going to the high post. Like, and you just stood there. Um, you know, like I said, it's just, I don't know if it's really practicing it. That's the point, you know, I guess that's the message that I'm sending a lot of these junk defenses. You just do it a little bit, like Sean said, you throw it at practice. So the guys do, you know, every week we've done blast one time. We've done triangle and two a couple of times. I do it more. So my guys, if they see it, have think, Oh, coach is great. We've, we've worked against this. That, that's why I'm doing it. But, um, no, nah, they just fly out. And if they don't you scream and yell at them, you know, and, um, then eventually they, they do it, but we're, you know, when we do that type of thing, then it's a simple rule. It's just a no layup rule. The top three-point shooter can't shoot it, and no layup. If anybody else shoots a three and makes it, I, the team knows that's on me. You know, I will tell them in the huddle, two-three blast, number 12 cannot shoot a three, no layup. Anybody else makes a shot, on coach. You know, And that's how we, we go about it. So I don't think we train them or anything. You just get you – know, you have some athletes trap it get a point guard who falls asleep makes a pass but it it is amazing those plays that sean's talking about because the coach's frustration level on the sideline of the other it just builds frustration that's why it's good like if you do it out of a positive timeout so you just went on a little run coach called a timeout he sets up his set he's and then it comes out you blast the kid throws the ball away it just just fuels frustration and um that's what you're trying to do you know I was trying to to get on the play frustrated
0: I, w- I wanted to ask you uh on your X. you said you're 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 trapped in the corner you know um in that in that two three you know wh- where are you guys rotating to you know so or who, who's trapping it well, so in the corner I'm, that's the bottom guy
3: and the top guy Bottom guy and
0: Right, top. right. So the wing and the top guy Other wing is coming
3: trapping. all the shooting all the way across. You know, other top guy, I'm sorry. Other top guys all, all, all the, the way, way across. across looking for them throwing it out. They're just trying to throw it out. He's shooting that gap. But if they just throw right. it out, then we're just back. You know what I'm saying? We don't right. have to, right. we're not staying in it. It's just a trap in that corner. Like on an out-of-bounds play, if the if the scouting report says that, you know, majority of their out-of-bounds plays are looking to get it in the corner. We just trap it. Other top guy shoots across. Middle guy is you know looking for steals in the middle. Opposite mm-hmm. guys looking for any long pass.
0: He has got the whole weak side, Other of.
3: side of the court. Yeah. But again, so. it's it's there's not like um you know, we just call it just play. Like you just have to to after you do it a few times they learn to react and and, and make plays. I don't know if it's there's a ton of training involved. You have good athletes and you have smart, some smart guys make plays and you learn that over the season, which guys can, can do it, can't do it.
0: So I I guess this brings up a, you know, a good point. Um, How how are you, how are you actually uh, practicing those zones? I know, you know, for us and, you know, when Dakota was, was with me, like we went, you know, we'd have like seven on five, eight on five, you know, just to get guys, you know, is, is that what, you know, is that what like everyone's doing, you know, just overloading the court on offense to get those guys to like understand the rotations and how they got to move on flight, you know, uh, Sean, what do you think?
1: Well, I was, uh, there were a lot of practices where I had below 10 players <laughs> this this year. So um, it, it, just to get up to 10 sometimes. But you we, got all uh, those
0: assistant coaches.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. They, we, we use them a lot. And then if I'm getting on the floor in practice, we have, we have problems. So, um, so we didn't have an opportunity to do that very much. Um, we just tried to mix it up. And I thought something that was just really good was um, in the middle of five on five. Um, I, I let a couple of the assistants take a, um, take a team sometimes and just having guys see things drawn up on the whiteboard and, and, you know, changing, changing things out of a timeout, even if we had like a 10 second timeout and it was like huddle real quick, Hey, we're going this now, you know, we're switching to this, just getting them in the mindset of kind of, you know, getting everybody focused, everybody locked in, um, making some adjustments, but yeah, we didn't, we didn't do too much where it was seven on five or, or, or anything like that. We just tried to mix it up and then have guys recognize what they were seeing because I found that early in the year, especially with our younger guys, like they had no idea what they were looking at. You know, they there could be a three, two zone or a two, three. And, and, you know, they didn't know. And I said, well, that's really on me more, a lot more than them to, to like help them kind of recognize it. They would just say, Oh, they're in zone or, Oh, they're a man. Sometimes we didn't, we didn't even know that. <laughs> so, you know, just be able to, to change it up and have them develop that recognition of, up there and a man there in his own we're going right to this or we're going right to that and I thought that hesitation killed us it's almost like when you even talk about going from you know transition offense to half court offense and you talk about that flow that everybody talks about now that that flow in between the two and you know we would run a motion offense and we'd go from transition i'd get them to try to flow right into the motion and it ended up being them pulling out the ball and saying hey stagger her flare and i'm like well now it's too late <laughs> you know now it's now it's too late we got to go and 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 that's what happens against the zone so much so i found that the more they were able to recognize it early the better decision makers they were and i think that's on both sides of the ball so just just constantly mixing it up 5 on 5 for us worked better but I think that was also a necessity too. Maybe if I had um, 13 or 14 guys in practice, most stays healthy. I would have thrown in some of that stuff, but I just felt that earlier they were able to recognize things, the more decisive they were, and that led to them being better. And when you look at the beginning of the season versus later in the year, I mean, you know, we had a lot of young guys this year, like a guessing who was rookie of the year for us, just like his recognition from the beginning of the year to the end of the year is, is just, Totally different. It's just a, he, he's a different player. So, um, but that that really helped, and we weren't doing that a lot at the beginning of the year.
0: Yeah. So that that recognition. So going seven on five or you know eight on five would really, you know, take away what you're trying to do with that recognition. You know, um, L, you you have low numbers, so you know you're not going. Are you going seven on five ever? Six on five? You're going four on four mostly, right?
2: Yeah, if I'm trying to teach Dawn, I'll shoot depending on what we're doing. Um, assistant coaches will get on. So we'll be that six that you guys are talking about. So it's a lot of playing as a coach and directing, you know. I'm still a little young, so I can do that now. But <laughs> moving forward, I'm going to need some more guys. But, um, you know, and I tell them, if you can... If you can catch up to my passing and to my IQ, then you should be okay. And you know, they're like, no coach, it's too fast, you shoot too quick, you do this too quick. So it's like, you know, I try to just whip the ball around to make it feel like they're guarding eight people. We're just swinging the ball fast. I might tell my assistant, Luke, if he's there or if it's a manager, even, you know, some of my managers, I may have them stand up. We have more managers and players, I feel like, and they can like swing the ball. And um, help out. So we players, uh, coaches, and managers get on to, you know, make it feel like they're going against more players.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Steve, why are you? Are you going seven on five, eight on five, five on five? Like,
3: we we do a little bit of that um, at times. Uh, I probably a spend a lot of time on transition. I mean, I, we talk about vulnerability. That's probably the bit like. I didn't think of that earlier, but transition defense in the zone is a little more. Guys lose accountability. Um, One guy doesn't get back, so we do spend a lot of time on like five on four drills with our zone. Um, You know the old touch. You know five guys lined up, throw the ball to one, and one guy's got a touch, and we're sprinting back and uh, playing that in our zone. Um, We'll do we'll do just like almost a homemade shell drill with our zone. Um, we do breakdowns with our zone guards, top of the zone to working on stuff, bottom of the zones, working on stuff. Um, but it's mostly five on five work. I like to do what Sean does. We do a lot of gold jerseys or red. We have red Jersey. That's red alert. That's a a three point shooter only, you know, who can't put it on the floor. And we have gold Jersey, you know, gold Jersey is an all American or all first team, all conference, a guy who can, score from a lot of different spots so guys learn again i think the zone is, scouting is huge you got to know who can make shots uh, and how hard you have to come out and do different things uh, so using those jerseys to identify different types of players i think we do that even if teams don't have it like a pre we'll do that to get ready for that type of player and all we have to say is red alert red alert now we that means that you know it's a sharp shoot, you know a guy who doesn't miss, and um if you play against one of those players he ha- it, they our guys are trained to deter him that even if he's deep you know we we just don't want him to shoot the ball um so those are the things that we do to to work on his own yeah
0: dakota are are you having um are the kids running back to their spots on the zone are they running back to the paint and breaking out you know like what?
4: Uh, for the younger kids, I uh, I'd have I had them ran, run back to the paint. I thought that was easier. It was also just trying to teach them transition and actually running back. Um, so when I have the younger guys and I am teaching them to full on sprint to the paint or at least a foul line um, and kind of see what's going on there. Um, other than that, you know, not, not much else going on um, for the transition for, for those young guys for me, really.
0: L, what, what would you, do you have your your players if you're playing uh, two three running back to their spots for transition, or are they running back to the paint and breaking out then?
4: Oh, sorry, sorry, to interrupt. I mean, they yeah. shouldn't be running to the same spots anyway. They're gonna be They don't have to be on the same sides. Like, you know, there's only one guy. If I'm playing a two three, that needs to run to his spot, his only spot, which is the big guy.
0: Well, I guess you're you're assuming that the the players are communicating to each other.
4: Yeah, I I I will make that's not a good assumption, but yeah, uh, it's getting late. I'm making bad decisions. Yes.
2: <laughs> um, I think that it's twofold. This year, I told players you have the left side, you have the right side, because they were we were so bad that you had to do that. Oh, left, yeah, yeah, left side, right side. You you had to, you know, really do that. And, oh, whose side is that? That's my right side. Like, I was teaching, like, a 2-1-1-1, um, uh, one, 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 where the middle guy went to the left side corner, Uh, the top guy went to the right side corner, and the last one just uh, moved up. So I think that with this group, I really, you know, I had to do that. In uh pass, I like to put pressure. So, my zone, they're picking up half court, and then they'll, off the pass, they may drop down.
3: All right. Add something sure. in? Can I add something in? Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, uh, I just, you know, make. You guys obviously don't play a lot of zone because I think if you play a lot of zone, I disagree a lot with Dakota says. In emergencies, my guys can play multiple sides and multiple different stuff. But I want my guy – you get a feel for the game. So, for example, if Isaiah Gathers is on the rebounding side, which I call the – there's the closeout side of the 2-3, which is the right. There's the rebounding side, which is the left. Doesn't mean you don't close out, but teams usually attack more right. And after – if you're playing a zone for 18, 20 minutes, you start to know where the shooters are, where the cutters are. You get a whole feel for the game. That's why I usually only play one zone in a game. Like in terms of the 3 2 or the 2 3, I won't play both of those in one game. Uh, the term, if I, was, I usually pick one. I do them both in the beginning of the season, and then I find which one we're better at. Um, now, I will use like a trap, like a 1 3 1 trap just to, to change it. But uh, I learned from Dick Walt Baldwin at Binghamton. You know, he, he didn't want guys changing their slides. That was his thing. I don't want guys changing their slides a lot during the game. Now, do they go from bottom to top if we make subs? Yes, certain guys learn to do the top of the 2-3 and the bottom. They're, but there's other dudes who learn basically, you know, one spot, weak side rebounder, left side. Now, obviously, a guy falls down, you're, you have to be able to play both. But there's a, we put a lot of thought, I guess, into who plays on what side. Um, and we want him getting a feel for the game. All you have to do is take a dude like uh, Isaiah who is not really smart basketball-wise and just put him on the other side of the 2-3 and he will be lost. He will not identify a shooter. He'll he'll give up one big three. If he's in one spot for 10 minutes and he, he knows, okay, there's number 12, He he's very comfortable. So I think there's a lot to be said about not moving guys and then there's a lot to be said about adjusting it. And if threes, for example, if threes, Zay gives up a ton of threes. So if there's threes in that left corner and there's two in a row and we want to keep playing zone, we don't take Isaiah out because he's going to score. We put him now on the other side, you know, and put our better closeout guy on that side until they figure out, which the good teams do, get to the other side. But I just think there's a lot more, to it if you play more zone. They're, they're, you do want guys in certain spots. They need to be interchangeable. Um, they can't just crack, but I think you'll play it better if guys during a game get comfortable at one slide. When they see a lot of slides, they make mistakes. I, I, I
0: think you're right, and I think, um, you know, for me, in, when I'm in the 2-3, you know, um, those wing guys are, are important. You know, I think the the top guys for me are interchangeable, um, but those wing guys because there is that close outside, there is that rebound side. Um, you know, what about uh, Sean? I mean, I guess you were just you're for the most part. You know, it's a two-two-one press, and you know sometimes you're coming back into into that zone. Do you, are you like Steve, and like you're the left wing, you're the right? win your your top right your top left
1: no and and that was actually interesting to to hear because i i actually have never thought about it in that way really at all so that that was that was new for me as well um my my battle constantly was just momentum of the game pace of the game so i was going back and forth all year a lot of times when you have a lesser talented team you know the the philosophy would be slow down the pace of the game and have fewer possessions. Um, Then another philosophy would be try to make there be as many unstructured possessions as possible and, and win those possessions. So that was a a constant back and forth for me in terms of how I wanted to play it. So not necessarily um, where guys were playing Because we also had like a pretty short rotation. I I had a pretty good idea of who was going to be on the court. Um, I wasn't really as concerned about where they were playing. I was more concerned about what was the pace that we wanted in that particular game. And I felt that each game game or each opponent, it was different. So when we're more talented and and we can kind of dictate it more, I feel like we can be more consistent. We can dictate what other teams do, but, you know, if I knew that, you know, Baruch wanted to really slow it down and Baruch was going to be a really good defensive team against us in the half court and we weren't a good offensive team, like I'm, I'm trying to stretch them out and speed up the game a little bit, you know, against Steve, I mean, it didn't work well this year, but (laughs) <laughs> you know, I might be trying to slow the slow the pace down and keep the ball from getting into the half court, so that he can't pound the ball inside against my my, my six foot center. You know, so um, it, that was what I went back and forth with all year. Is like, what's the pace we want to play, and and what gives us the best chance to win? Speeding it up and having more unstructured possessions or, or slowing it down, minimizing the possessions and, and playing a certain way. So that's what I thought about a lot more rather than who plays, who plays where.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think Steve, you, you, you hit on something that, that we all should uh, probably think more about, you know, and I guess that comes with the time and, and how much you're, you're focusing on the zone and how much you're, you're playing um, the zone. Um, to to add
1: one thing the what the one the one thing we did focus on is if we were playing our aggressive 2-2-1 two, two, um, unless we had a very unathletic person coming into the game you know we would put the fresh guys up front to um to put ball pressure and we'd move those next guys back so you know for Mello or Yassine or somebody who was playing 33 34 minutes um, I would have a guy like like Dami was a role player for us that was just super athletic and a good defender like I I tried to enhance his role by saying hey I need you to go turn a guy three times right now you know and you got fresh legs put those guys back almost almost giving those guys a little bit more of a break on the second line so that's the one
3: area where we we did think about that a little bit and I was just going to say I think one of the weaknesses one of the problems I have with zone is it is harder for me to play more guys Uh, I feel like uh, I get that paranoid. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I don't want to – I got a guy who's doing a good job of closing out on the wing. He's comfortable on the wing. He's doing his job on the wing, and he's a good offensive player. Like, I almost have no need for him to to – it is harder for me to play – I like to try to get 10 guys in a D3 game, and I find when I'm playing a lot of zone, I'm just much more uncomfortable doing it uh, than when I'm playing man. You know, when I'm playing man – I feel a lot more comfortable putting a kid in for two or three minutes saying, Hey, you got this guy, do this, do this. Uh, just the, the fear of getting lost in that zone and, and uh, makes me play less. So I think that's one of the, it's a strength and a weakness. You know, if you have a seven man rotation, it, it's really, a f- I think you can easily play it with a couple subs and keep everybody fresh. But uh, the negative is if you try to play a lot of zone with, 10 or 11, unless you're pressing full court, that's a different story. But if you're just playing a half court zone, it it won't be as effective playing them. They just won't be as good at it. Simple as that. It's a smart, it's not an energy. It's it's an intelligence thing as much as it is energy. Um, Well, I I was
0: gonna ask you, is it, you know, was it something along the lines of like, you don't actually feel like you need to sub because in that zone, you know, a kid could be taking that possession off, as we all seen. You know, and it's like he's not really exerting himself. He missed that slide. You know, but the other guy, you know, the backline guy is there. And he stopped. You know, he picked. The, he a,
3: I don't want to the say there's left, less so. exertion because if you're playing it good, there's there's exertion, but it's it, it's just a different animal than 40 minutes a man. You know, it's 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 a different yeah a different intensity level that's needed the, the ball pressure is intense but it's only out to the three-point line you know you're not beyond it um uh, i don't know that i just find that you know because you know a lot of guys on my team will be uh, lehman is a place where guys want to play zone <laughs> you know, so, i'm catering to like i'm the man guy and my assistants want to play zone the kids want to play zone um uh, so that's one of the arguments I make with them. Hey, I'll play zone, but I ain't, I'm playing seven dudes, so you better be one of the, the seven or eight better guys. Um, right. i was just throwing that out there. I just, I just feel that uh, because it's more of a scouting report, and, and there's a lot of other stuff that if you go ten or eleven, it's just not as good, you know. Whereas a man ten or eleven could be better because you just, you just amping the intensity at all times and um, you know maybe you know I don't know maybe you should have your zone at that intensity but there's something a little different yeah there's something a little different
0: right um listen got, anybody have any anything to add or anything to ask ask you know um where
3: are you coaching next year <laughs> you
0: can stay on <laughs> after we can talk <laughs>
3: um actually do you i should you. really ask do you need an assistant next year that's the main thing i should ask <laughs> <laughs> or this year if you need an assistant let me know or sean might need up we uh we're probably not playing ball in college this year
0: so um I, 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 hey <laughs> you, you can stay on after steve um listen guys uh, uh thank you so much as, as always i appreciate your, your 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 time and uh helping us uh helping me grow grow my knowledge base on on the game you know um i hope everybody's uh staying safe and thanks so much for for being on the podcast